Deconstruction is a way of thinking. Correct. It's skeptical and it tears things apart. That's what it does. Then you have people who say they are deconstructionists. Okay. And that is, well, I deconstruct everything. I tear it down to its, its truth. But the lie of deconstructionism is they don't believe in any truth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you grow in your faith. We are here to be your guides, but we cannot do the work for you. We can challenge you, we can encourage you, we can educate you, but ultimately this journey is yours and we're just here to be your guides. My name is Jesse Mayer, I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, <laughs> Dr. Douglas P. Welcome everybody, it's so good to have you today. I'm excited about this new series we're in and uh, how we're going to talk about what is it that actually allows us to experience that our lives matter? It's one of the deepest uh, thirsts of your soul. And it starts by understanding your origin story. So we've kind of been talking about that. I'm really excited about it. Well, and we are in this new series and kind of this format of the Salty Pastures, we're really creating context, we're creating inspiration, we're creating an environment for you to learn and discover. Yes. But in the end, like I said, it's your yeah, journey. journey. Mm-hmm. And so we've moved on to this new series titled Your Life Matters. And what a great series this is going to be because it's really talking about your value and why it's so important to understand what your belief about yourself is, about your origin story and where you come from and mm-hmm. what your purpose is mm-hmm. here on this planet and mm-hmm. how you can affect other people. So I think this is going to be a really exciting series, but it might be a little uh, hard hitting, right? <laughs> is that, is that should, am, I, am I speaking too soon? I haven't heard the first sermon, but I feel like this might be dredging up some internal struggles that we're going to have to work through. Yes. Yes. I think that part of it is, you know, the whole, if you're going to, if you're willing to work on yourself, you're always blessed by the results. Mm. And so consequently you live in a world that loves to spend its time convincing you not to work on yourself. Yes. Right. Well, Distract not yourself. work on yourself in the right way. In the right There's way. about 500 <laughs> self-help books, <laughs> yeah. but none of them get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they never get you anywhere. They're an industry of their own, but it's a, uh, it's this notion that, uh, we want to distract you or give you a sense that you're going somewhere or entertain yourself or medicate yourself or whatever. And those things never seem to work. And so, but if you're really willing to do the real work, the hard work, then you're always blessed. You're always happy mm-hmm. because you're found, you're finding your real self. And as we've quoted C.S. Lewis many times, he says that our true selves are waiting for us in him, meaning Christ. And so that that's what uh, we're hoping to do in this series is that the reason why so many people feel like their lives don't matter that they're, uh, as Scott Peck says, living men who are living lives of quiet desperation is because they don't understand what brings value to their life in a way that they experience it in a real way. So that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're digging into. And we started off with this notion of your origin story, because your origin story is the uh, launch pad for discovering how your life matters. And if you pick the wrong launch pad, then what ends up happening, you end up going to the wrong place and then you don't feel like your life matters. You end up in despair. And that's something that's really common happening in our world today. I mean, we see the stats, 
we see how young people are uh, experiencing more meaninglessness, more self-hatred, more suicide, more depression, more anxiety than any other generation in the history of the world that they've recorded this stuff. It's just insane how much it's grown. And a lot of that is because they cannot experience in a real way that their life matters. And the reason why that we're talking about this week is because they're believing an origin story that doesn't match reality. Mm. And it's that incongruence. It doesn't match up. It's like, you want to believe it. You try to believe it, but it just doesn't work. And so now you're left with, well, what do I do? I'm lost. So on Tuesday, we dug into this principle of how we actually choose the origin story we believe about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is remarkable because when you think about it, it cuts to the very core Mm -hmm. of what it means to be a human being. Yes. I mean, really. And so how is it we can actually choose what we believe about who we are? Is that not something that's just ingrained with us when we are raised in a house? Or how do we choose when we get to this point? Well, I think that's the main point is your origin story that you believe dictates your definition of what it means to be a human being. And so how is it that you can choose what you believe about who you are? Uh, doesn't that in and of itself say something massively important about your nature, right? In other words, are you a not just free thinking, but do you have free will or not? Do your choices matter mm. or not. Now, I don't think people realize how much the world tries to convince you of an origin story that is wrong and it misaligns your entire life. And so you end up missing out on the joy of life, uh, the discovery of who you are meant to be and can be due to the difficulties and hardships that you face in life. And it's, oh man, life just doesn't make sense. Why, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Why can't I find true connection? Why is it that, you know, people talk about love, but I don't feel loved. Why is it that my, I'm so critical of myself? Uh, You see, these types of human experiences are becoming pronounced. And most of that's because when you back up, this is a very upstream idea, is that you bought into an origin story that is wrong and it doesn't reflect true Mm. reality. So today you've kind of decided to mix things up a little bit. We're going to try something a little bit different and we're going to show a clip or if you're listening just in the podcast format, you'll hear it. I mean, he's just in a car. You're not missing anything visually (laughs) from seeing this. Um, We don't want you to feel like you're missing out, but we're going to show this clip of a guy. um, Why... Did you want to show this clip specifically? Well, I think it's a perfect example of deconstructionism. He actually talks about it at the end of the clip. And it's a perfect example of why you need to figure out your own origin story. And it's a guy, he's on TikTok and he puts out a lot of stuff. This is extremely popular on TikTok. I know that a lot of people who are over probably 30 years of age are like, what in the world is TikTok? Well, TikTok now is the number one social media platform in the world. 
So it's replaced MySpace? Is that, is that <laughs> That's a joke there. I got it. Well, it's bigger than Facebook. It's bigger than Instagram. It's bigger than all of, uh, Pinterest and all these other things now. And what it is is people put these little videos together. They're very short. And you can, I mean, there's just, the, the amount is unbelievable that's on there. But one genre, one category that's extremely popular right now, particularly among young people, is this ex-evangelical, meaning people that who used to be Christians and they aren't anymore, mm. people who are deconstructionists. And so they say that we're de- we deconstructed our faith and we've come out on the other side so much better. But what I want to do is I want to show you why deconstructionism and how it functions and why it is so devastating to your own capacity to freely choose and your own capacity to be responsible for your choices and for your own capacity to understand your true and authentic origin story. So let's, it's, he, he only kind of goes on for about two, two and a half minutes. He says, you know, he claims he's a pastor, that he was a pastor for 17, 18 years, mm-hmm. and then he walked away from it all. So it's kind of interesting of his perspective. And I'm going to, you know, he's deconstructing, so I'm going to return the favor. You're going to return the favor. We'll do a little react video. Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to deconstruct his points. Okay. So we're going to roll this video and then we might stop throughout to kind of talk about what he's talking about. So let's go ahead and roll that clip. An insane amount of people have left the church in the last few years and you might be one of them. I was a pastor for 18 years and it wasn't Marxism, liberalism, critical race theory that put me off. It was actually watching churches that I myself pastor looking nothing like Jesus and sounding nothing like Jesus and serving nothing like Jesus. Okay. Stop there. Okay. Let's get off. Start, start off on the foot. And that is, is that, um, I believe facts matter. Okay. Facts do matter. And so he starts off stating uh, a false fact. He says, there's an insane amount of people leaving the church. Okay. Uh, well you, you have to really qualify that because when you look at, Protestant Christianity that's mainline, mm-hmm. there a lot of people have left mainline churches. There's a lot of people uh, who've left uh, traditional like Roman Catholicism, but uh, when you actually look at the number of people who have been actively involved in their faith over the last 25, 30 years, it's actually gone up, not down. Okay. Okay, so... so there, the, he's... He's making a generalization about people leaving right. Christianity, but it's really only tar- it's really only applicable to certain denominations, basically. But overall, as a whole, it's actually gone up. Yeah, and this is you know spin. It's conflation, and what you're doing is you're just saying, oh, this is happening over in this area. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, and saying, well, since it's happening over here, over here, then that means it's happening everywhere. Well, that's just not true. And so facts do matter. But the biggest thing that I think is really fascinating here is he says in, uh, in the churches that I pastored. Okay. Now I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he wasn't the senior pastor, but he makes it sound like he was. I am. And these churches looked nothing like Jesus. They didn't minister like Jesus and they didn't serve like Jesus. And so the first thought in my mind is, that's your fault. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, if you're the pastor, yeah. you're the it rolls downhill. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not putting that forward and expressing that, then 
people are following you, so yeah. they're going to follow what they see and what they Your observe. whole job as the shepherd <laughs> is to share with people the real Jesus. And so if they don't live like Jesus... And <clears throat> The other thing is he says, I was a pastor for 18 years. So it's not like you tried for eight months and then quit. I mean, 18 years for crying out loud. Well, and it's also interesting that he says multiple churches, right? So yeah. it's like we've had a huge blessing with you being our pastor here at Foothills for 26 years. But that yeah. you're an oddball. Like, I'm that's an oddball. Not, that's not usual. That's right. So it's like he probably, you know, he could have been at two, you know, he said multiple churches. We'll say maybe two or three. But that means he's only really spending a few years in each of these yeah. places. And during that time, he's probably attempting to kind of create his culture, create a standard. Yeah. And then he's leaving for whatever purpose. So it's and like, he he does, and later on in his defense, he kind of admits that a little bit. But but what I think is so fascinating is he has, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Is that is I just wanted to say at this point, what he's saying is the places that I led never looked like Jesus, and and then he ends up blaming them for why he left. And I said. This is deconstructionism. And that is, is that in deconstructionism, you're never skeptical of your own skepticism. Mm. And so you become, and this is why it's so dangerous. And this is why young people uh, tend to feel like entitled and they're so good at criticizing. And that's why, you know, and adults tend to be defensive when talking to young people, which on a side note, when somebody starts criticizing, criticizing and saying this, instead of defending whatever it is they're criticizing, just ask them and say, okay, well, what's your idea that's better? Right. Get them to articulate. See, this is what deconstructionists do is all they do is attack and criticize. And then when you say, well, what's better? You know, oh, well, you know, like in, in the political realm, they'll say, well, capitalism doesn't do this and doesn't do that. And doesn't, you say, well, maybe some of that's true. Maybe it's not, but what's better? And then they say, well, communism is better. Right. <laughs> you're like, Okay. okay, you obviously don't know any facts about history at all. So, but see, de deconstructionism is that what he exactly what he's doing, and that is, I led this thing; it didn't turn out the way I want, and because it's their and now it's their fault that I left my faith. Well, and I want to make sure we're being clear. So, deconstructionism as a whole, when you use that phrase, you're talking about the kind of the philosophy or the the yeah. mindset. But then there is a group of ex evangelicals that practice deconstructionist. Correct or they call themselves deconstructionists, where they're basically taking that philosophy and, and applying, it. applying it. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure when we're talking about them, we're Good not idea. just using these phrases interchangeably because then it, it might get a little confusing yeah. for me specifically, but maybe some yeah. of our <laughs> Deconstruction too. is a way of thinking. Correct. It's skeptical and it tears things apart. That's what it does. Then you have people who say they are deconstructionists. Okay. And that is, well, I deconstruct everything. I tear it down to its, its truth. But the lie of deconstructionism is they don't believe in any truth. Right. So they deconstruct to destroy everything, but then you're left with nothing. And so at some point you have to ask yourself, okay, maybe I should be skeptical of my own skepticism. Mm -hmm. And this is what C.S. Lewis said, he goes, look, sometimes you need to look through a window to see the garden outside. The problem with deconstructionists is everything is a window. So you look through the window to see the garden, but that, there's no garden because that's a window. And then there's nothing beyond that. And there's nothing beyond that. And there's nothing beyond that. And so what you, and this is why uh, a nihilism, the loss of all meaning and hope in life, 
is so prevalent amongst deconstructionists. Mm. Because when you believe there's no truth and you deconstruct everything, where do you always end up with? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. You're not even something. Even what you think and even your deconstructionism is nothing. Right. So why even do it? And so everything becomes absolutely meaningless. So, but let's see why. Let's go to the next phrase on this guy and see what his reasoning is behind why he left. Let's listen to this. And so the right thing was to leave. There's nothing wrong with leaving a system that feels toxic and abusive, a system that says something but does the opposite thing. And in a bizarre way, the Trump era gave us the gift of clarity. It was like, oh, wait, that's what you think about immigrants? And pastor, that's what you think about like Black Lives Matter? And oh my gosh, that's really what you think about the LGBTQ okay, community? Okay, so what I find really interesting here is he creates a toxic situation and then he says, that's my reason for leaving it. So there's nothing wrong with leaving a toxic situation. And what, what I found about this is that this is what deconstructionists do constantly. And that is, is that uh, they deny the interconnectivity of human beings. And that is, if I'm in a family, right? Right. And that family is toxic, then guess what? I'm part of that toxicity. Right. I, I can't step out and say, well, I left that relationship or that family because they're toxic. Because what you're kind of saying and what he's saying is, well, I'm not toxic at all. I'm healthy and fine because I deconstructed my faith and I found that everybody else is toxic. And see, that's another outflow of deconstructionism. And that is you blame everybody else for your problems. Mm. You take zero responsibility for it. Now, he starts to allude to it a little bit, but it's interesting how he does that. And then the second thing he does here is he then, this is called conflation. And that is, is that the Trump era suddenly brought to light all of this. And I'm trying to, trying to figure out the connection he's making. He's talking pretty fast, but he says this, he goes, Oh, pastor, I don't think he's referring to himself. I think he's referring to other pastors, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, Oh, this is what you think of the immigrant. This is what you think of the, uh, he said somebody else. And then he said, this is what you think of black lives matter. And then the LGBTQ community. And what I find really interesting about that particular situation is that the church that has remained faithful to biblical teaching has had the same position on immigrants for 2000 years. It hasn't changed. And, uh, th there's some variations on it, but the general consensus of Orthodox classic Christianity, biblical Christianity, it's never changed. You know, I, and just because there's a president that's elected, and this is what I see deconstructionists do all the time. And that is, is that, um, when president Trump was elected, he ran against Hillary Clinton. Right. So I never saw, I'll be really salty here. I never saw the lesser of two evil principle applied more pronounced in that case. <laughs> I mean, we, we had these, it's like, who do you vote for? Because at that point Mickey in time, <laughs> yeah, it's like, boom. And I'll be honest with everybody on the Saudi pastor. I did not vote for president Trump. I did not. Also, I did not vote for Hillary Clinton either. I wrote in my own candidate. It was Perfect. an attitude of principle for me. <laughs> you know, my wife laughed at me. Um, but it's really important to understand. And that is, is so, but there's a ton of people in Idaho who voted for President Trump. 
There's a lot of people in churches all across the United States that voted for President Trump. And over the next four years, I listened to a litany of so-called Christian leaders say that everybody who voted for Trump was a misogynist and a bigot and a racist and a white supremacist. Every Christian who voted for Trump was a white nationalist. I just heard this onslaught of absolute stupidity leveled at these people, you know? And I said, this is absurd. And the reason why this stuff happens is exactly what this guy is doing. You see, he's just saying, well, because he believes that that's what politically Trump believed. I'm not saying that Trump believed that, but he's saying that, that anybody who voted for him, right, believes that as well. And so that's why I'm leaving the church. So, I mean, they're basically saying, okay, because you voted for this one guy or because one guy uh, associates with you, he is representative of all of you. Yes. And that's kind of what you're saying is, is everyone yep. took this and said what President Trump does means that that's what everyone who voted for him or who is associated with the Republican Party or is a Christian because Christianity yeah. can be associated regularly with um, the Republican Party is believes the same things he does. Yeah, We're not our so, own individual people. Yeah, he which is, is a example. basic violation of what is the New Testament teaches over and over again. And that is, is that, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And what he's doing is he's very judgy. You right. know, he's very judgy, which is toxic. So he's being toxic in that statement, mm. extremely toxic. And he's not just judging the policies of Trump, which he has freedom to do that, share his opinion. I don't care. But what he's doing now is he's saying that everybody else is the same way, right. all right? Uh, and then he talks about Black Lives Matter, and he, you know, and the point is, is that, well, you know, what's fascinating to me is that I think most people who have a biblical worldview or a biblical origin story look at that and realize that, well, your life matters, you know, your life matters. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. To God, your life matters. It matters the same across the board to everyone. That's the real origin story, okay? And so the notion is that every one of us has to be redeemed because we are all equally in the same boat, and that is is that we've fallen short of the glory of God. We've been tainted by sin, and we need to be brought from death back to life. And that happens through the redemptive act of Christ. And that's why you see Jesus Christ saving people all across the globe, you know, and it's not because of colonialism, which is something that a lot of uh, progressive leftists say and criticize Christianity about all the time. It's not because of that. I mean, it's growing in China, it's growing in the 1040 window, it's growing in Africa, and the people who are leading this massive growth of uh, people coming to redemptive salvation in Jesus Christ are people who are na you know, nationals or natives of those ethnic groups. You see, it's not from outside. It, when you actually go back and look at missiology, what you realize is that uh, in mission theory over the last 500 years, the most effective mission theory wasn't cross-cultural missions. It was somebody locally becoming a believer and then converting. You see, that that was really the most powerful thing. And there's a lot of cultural anthropology uh, research that's been written on this. It's documented. But what this guy's doing, you see, is what a deconstructionist does, is he judges everybody else based on his own self-centered standard. Mm. That's what he's doing. And that's what deconstructionism, it gives you permission to act unchristian. In other words, as a non-follower of Christ, right? You judge everybody according to your standard. Well, say, well, let's keep going. So, cause I have a lot more to say about this guy. 
Go ahead and roll that. And so we were kind of our eyes were open. It was a sort of bizarre moment of revelation. It was apocalyptic. It was our eyes were open to see that what we were being taught and what was being done and how that manifested in the society. It was like it had nothing to do one thing with the other. And so if there's any guilt about leaving, about having to take a break, about stepping back from your roles and your places and, and even the family that you created at church. I know the pain because again, I was a pastor leading a lot of these people and I had this moment of reckoning with myself. How did I contribute um, to this system that's really all about building it was at that time building my kingdom, not the kingdom of God. It was really about serving my purposes. It was about using the language of family really to get people to work for free at the church. It was about special green rooms for the speakers, um, but no real budget to really serve the poorest and the most vulnerable and the most marginalized. Okay, stop. And so Okay, so now he he has a little bit of a word salad there, but he rolls it all together. And what we find out is some basic facts, and that is he says, I was leading these people. And then he says, I was leading them for my own agenda. But what I find fascinating is there's zero confession, there's zero repentance, there's zero ownership for anything. You know, he's saying that uh, I was doing this for my own purposes. I created this toxicity. I was in this system. And instead of saying, wow, I'm a part of it, how, how do we redeem it? He then turns around and says, peace out. <laughs> yeah. He basically says, I'm leaving, right? Like, yeah. cause he uses the phrasing. I had a reckoning. Yeah. I realized this is what I was doing. And so rather than fixing it, yeah. he just left. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what the deconstructionist does to say, say is that, is that I, I don't have any loyalty to this. I don't have any community connection to you. I don't have to stick with it. I don't have to work through it. We don't have to discover a new thing together. None of that. He says, peace out. Don't feel guilty about it kind of a thing. And I was really, I was really shocked about that. And then, but then he says something that I think is really fascinating is, and, and I, and I just want to give him a little bit of grace here. And that is I can kind of maybe understand where he's coming from because he says more money was for the green room and the speakers instead of serving uh, in the community. And what he just described right there is celebrity Christianity. Mm. That's what celebrity Christianity is. It's, it's, you know, these guys wearing $3,000 tennis shoes, you know, walking around sporting $800 haircuts, you know, they're the coolest, hippest Instagram people with millions of followers. And I mean, there's even an Instagram uh, what do you call it? An Instagram thing? Is, is it a followership or a club or when you have a thing on Instagram, what like is you're, it? You're an influencer. So okay. you have like, I yeah. mean, well, there's an influencer who has an account on Instagram called sneakers and preachers. And all they do is take pictures of preachers out there in celebrity Christianity and talk about, oh, these, these sneakers are $5,000. These sneakers are $2,000. These sneakers are such and such. Uh, I'll even go to be so salty as to say there's a, a really large church in the Treasure Valley where they got on their social media and talked about the $1,000 sneakers that they were going to give to their pastor. You mm -hmm. know, And I'm like... So I can get why you felt that way. And maybe it was good that you have, you had a reckoning, but you didn't have conviction. And see, that's what happens with deconstructionism is it robs you of the power of the gospel. 
because it keeps your focus out there. Oh, they did this wrong. They did this wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. So you become the judge of everybody. You're the critic of everybody. You're really good at pointing fingers, but you never have a reckoning with your own soul, mm. you know? And so he talks about that. And, you know, um, since we're running out of time, he just kind of goes on at the end and says, you know, but now I'm in Puerto Rico trying to serve the poor and, and serve like Matthew chapter 25. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to focus you on the overall theme. And that is, is that he says, the reason I left the church is because Jesus wasn't in the church. Hmm. And here's the problem with what he's saying. Number one is, well, if Jesus wasn't in the church and you're the pastor, that's your fault. Right. The second thing that you got to realize is that Jesus is always in his church regardless. And one of the things that we've talked about here at Foothills over and over and over again is, is we seek the face of the Lord, seek the face of the Lord. God is always doing his thing. The spirit of God is alive and moving to and fro throughout the land. He is doing his thing and the church is growing. Our job isn't to try to stand on a hill and wave a flag and say, Oh God, come over here and bless us. Our job is to throw on the backpack and go wherever Jesus is doing his thing. Mm. We want to be in it. That's why we say here at Foothills, our goal is not to be the best church or the most popular church, our, our goal is to have, uh, be a part of what God is doing and be the best church for our community. And, you know, at Foothills, you know, our church, us, and there's another church here in the Treasure Valley called the Vineyard. We have the largest food pantries, the largest uh, support ministries of any other churches in the Treasure Valley, because that's how we roll because we feel this is what God is doing. So I guess the point is, is that if you become a deconstructionist, it's going to hinder your faith. And what hindered him the most is he never came to terms with his true origin story. And that is, is that I have been born into a system tainted by the evil of sin. And this taint affects the way I think it affects what I believe it affects how I do what I do. Now, maybe he took a slight step in that direction when he said I had a coming to terms, but that's not what he's doing. Now what he's doing is he's saying, I don't believe anymore. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I, it's not just that I left being a pastor. I don't believe in Christianity anymore. And so that's where deconstruction always ends up. And so he's going to go and he's going to go to Puerto Rico and he's going to try to serve the poor. And what he's going to find is that Jesus is always right. The poor are always with you. Because, and the reason why we have poverty and the reason why we have cancer and the reason why we have tornadoes tearing up tornado alley and earthquakes and pandemics and the list goes on and on and on is because sin and evil is in the world and it taints it. And the only salvation, the only restoration, the only way is to realize the origin story. And that is, I was created in the image of God to be loved by him. And until I deal with the taint through the redemptive act of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, I'll never be able to think clearly. I'll never be able to experience clearly what true joy is in my life. Well, thank you so much for that, Pastor. I think that was really fun um, to kind of just take and react to some stuff that's out in the media that's very practical. People 
like yeah. young people that are in our church or, you know, my sister, my dad's on TikTok. So it's like, there's, there's <laughs> lots of people. On he's on TikTok. I'm actually not on TikTok. So that's the funny thing is my 66 year old father is on TikTok and I am not, but that's so funny. Um, but these things are coming up and they're, they're appearing in front of people. And so I think it's fun that we are taking these opportunities to take what's coming to people's phones and saying, oh, well, let's actually break this down and show people how they can also do the same thing. You can be scrolling through TikTok in the middle of the night, listen to something like that yeah. and go, okay, what what is he really saying or what is she really saying and start breaking it down into these ideologies of what they're trying to say. And it's not that you're necessarily trying to become a deconstructionist as well, but you can think critically about what they're trying to tell you, right? Yeah. And I think that's really important is as you consume all this media that's constantly being shoved to your phone, you are critically thinking about You're it. And that's th- what, exactly. And that's that what is we so true. Push. Gosh, so, what an excellent point. Love it. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Sunday for the first sermon in our new series, Your Lives Matter. And then we'll see you next week here on The Salty Pastor. All right. Blessings.